Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for over 2,000 years. I'm joined again this week with Dr. Benjamin Smith, and today our topic is going to be uh, the classical understanding, the Aristotelian understanding of education. And we all know, and we can kind of, you know, agree on as a starting point uh, for our discussion today, that uh, particularly the past uh, 20, 30 years, that there has been a crisis of education, whether it's projected outcomes, whether it is the formation of children, the formation of adolescents, the formation of uh, college adults. There's been kind of a crisis across the board. We also want to look at the aspect of particular focus on learning and what it what is the purpose of it, what are, what is it aimed towards, and I think especially to maybe just re-examine where we are, and also as Catholics we want to discern where God is calling us and what exactly He wants us to do with regards to education, uh, particularly if we're parents. Uh, it is our responsibility, and it also falls within our participation in the creation of, of God's work, um, the uh, education and moral formation of our children. And so Dr. Smith thought it would be a great idea, and I agreed with him, uh, to re-examine maybe the classical approach by Aristotle. So Dr. Smith, to get us started here with Aristotle's idea of education or this classical form of education, uh, what is it? Okay, right. Um, pleased to have the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, I've been involved in higher education for many years, as you know. Uh, and um, uh, I think there's a, you see more and more sort of a, um, a neglect of the classical model of education, of learning uh, and knowledge. Really, a lot of the, the changes in education reflect really, I think, deep philosophical changes in our understanding of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, understanding of the human person, uh, psychology, uh, and so forth. Um, from a sort of a, a, a Greek perspective or a Greek philosophical perspective, one of the things uh, that was important to both Plato and Aristotle, right, um, was the idea that you're really, uh, education involves a kind of cultivation, mm-hmm. right? And so um, both uh, Plato and Aristotle, but especially Aristotle, recognized that there was such a thing as human nature, right? Yeah. And that human nature, um, you know, there's the the classical maxim, nature acts for an end, Mm -hmm. okay? And uh, Aristotle, uh, you know, firmly believed in that and saw education as part of uh, of the process by which we come towards our end or Mm, grow towards our end. So I think that it's a really useful um, way to think about this is, is to... To pay attention to the kind of metaphors you use, yeah. and I think one of the the, the metaphor um, that is uh, really appropriate to this ap- approach is cultivation, right? So when yeah. you think about cultivating something natural, right? yeah, something organic, yeah, 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 that's yeah, right, yeah. exactly, because uh, it has its own internal principle of growth, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So when you when you're when you're uh, cultivating a garden uh, or plant. Uh, I've, I've tried to do this. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't worked that great, but uh, it's a good metaphor nevertheless, right? Um, the, uh, when you're trying to cultivate uh, uh, something, that, uh, a natural uh, living organism or plant, you don't sort of ignore its nature. Right. right? In right. fact, you, you pay attention to its nature. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, uh, and you try to do things that will actualize and protect and advance sort of the internal powers of that natural organism. So uh, one of the things that you, you start off with in, in sort of a, an Aristotelian approach is the view that human beings have a certain nature. 
Yeah. They have certain powers, intellectual powers, um, practical, uh, that can be divided into theoretical reasoning and practical reasoning. They have powers of choice and will. They also have passions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that all of those powers can be cultivated in a good way, right? Yeah, There's yeah, a way yeah. in which they're, you know, it's really interesting. We, I think we use that idea of cultivation, like that there is an internal inclination in each of those powers towards the proper act. Sure. But because of our psychological complexity, uh, as well as because of some of the distractions that can happen due to sort of unformed passions, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's very easy for us uh, to get mixed up, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, so even though we, ha even though we have proper inclinations, internal inclinations towards our proper acts, uh, and of course you bring in original sin as well, you, that those they need to be cultivated, sort of like you were if you were trying to if you've ever tried to uh, create a hedge, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like you, you actually have to kind of work at it. I mean, I don't just mean a bunch of bushes, but I mean like right. a hedge you know, <laughs> that actually looks like something. You kind of have to pull the branches in a certain direction, trim them in certain areas and not other areas. That oh, kind yeah, of thing, yeah. right? Uh, and I think that that um, that's a good sort of starting point when you're thinking about sort of the classical approach to education. Yeah, I think another aspect to bring in there kind of with the, the, the cultivating and the the uh, organic kind of uh, idea behind it is is also, you know, the idea of order. Mm, that mm. Uh, uh, education is there to to provide order sure. and particularly internal order. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's not just education for, for, for this particular uh, end that is outside of ourselves, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. for uh, a test or something like that or a job. But that it is it is for the internal internal ordering of man. Sure. Right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, um, order is really uh, um, a good good concept to use here because Aristotle and Thomas have this view, right, that um, that there is an order of the powers, right? There's a hierarchy within ourselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. The you know you have your lower powers and your higher powers. The lower powers are important and necessary, but the higher powers are more specific to us as human beings. Sure. Right. Uh, and so the, they're said to be higher in that sense. But in addition to that, um, you know, the powers are ordered to proper acts. Yeah. Right? And so when you think, especially in terms of education, the intellect is ordered towards um, the the truth about reality, right? Mm -hmm. Practical reasoning is ordered towards the truth uh, that's found in practical action, right? Uh, and the will um, is properly ordered to the good known by reason. Right, 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 right. right. So there are actually targets, so to speak, right? And education is supposed to, to sort of help that person kind of hone in, yeah. right, on those targets. Truth in reality, truth in action, uh, and intending and choosing the good, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think, it, you know, when you look at, when you look at the, the, the small child, you can see the, the disorder in them. And what I mean by that is that uh, you could see that they're, they don't have really the ability to reason. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. just, for, for parts of their life, they are literally just controlled by their passions. <laughs> right. you know? or, or external principles, uh, which, which Thomas identifies as law. law. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, which is important. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and most of the time they're in reaction to these right. passions. Right. <laughs> right. And you think about this, that, you know, those who never grow up fully, right? Those yeah. who remain immature... Uh, which sadly, of course, happens, they have to fall back on external order. Sure. Right? They need external principles of order in order to direct them. Right? Oh, yeah. It's one of the functions of law, right? Part of the goal of education in this more full sense that we're talking about here is to help get them to have control of their passions and then sure. 
and then to guide their reason so that their reason can discern the correctness of their passions. You know, mm-hmm. is it rightly ordered? Is it is it not rightly ordered? And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I think that the thing is that it's education then is just directed towards uh, a more fuller human being. That's right. Yeah, know? yeah. And the way, uh, and that's, a, that's a key point here. I think we want to come back to that. But when you're thinking about sort of actualizing, cultivating uh, the human being, the human person uh, in education, what that comes down to concretely is giving our internal, our natural powers a habitual direction. So that mm-hmm. in addition to that intrinsic inclination mm-hmm. that the powers have, so Thomas right, and Aristotle think that the, the human intellect right, has a natural inclination towards the truth. Okay? Right. Now that's often distracted by passion, that can be distracted by external temptations. Certainly there's, uh, it's also mitigated by um, the reality of original sin, um, but it, that, that inclination is still there. But what you can do is to add to that inclination, strengthen that in- inclination by creating certain habits of, think- of thinking, mm-hmm. habits mm-hmm. of mind. So when you think about perfecting a power, right, bringing a power uh, to where it has a firm disposition right, okay. towards its proper act, um, that really comes down to habituation, mm-hmm. forming habits within the human person. And so um, uh, the um, uh, education, classical education, is really about forming intellectual habits. Yeah. Right? Now, these are called intellectual virtues by Thomas, um, by Thomas Aquinas. Um, uh, they, aren't the, they are distinguished from, from moral virtues in the sense that they don't necessarily make us morally good right, right, right what makes us morally good of course are the kinds of um good voluntary actions we perform mm-hmm. not necessarily the thoughts that we process right right right, right. um but uh nevertheless they do bring about a certain kind of intellectual perfection right, right. which is part of uh the good of the human person so we're not necessarily a good person but we can become a good thinker mm-hmm. <laughs> whether we act on that that's or not, right yeah but... which at least gives us the materials maybe for becoming a, a good yeah, person yeah, right? yeah. um but um but yeah so the, the 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 what classical education then really consists in is creating these um intellectual uh habits going back to a little bit about order you know the habits are what give uh, give it good order um and the vices are those that's things right. that we would call disorder that's right you know the bad habits literally yeah. right mm-hmm. and and hopefully you can already see where maybe uh our current path of education you know maybe <laughs> maybe uh, sure. uh, uh re- be redirecting itself here or could you talk a little bit more about this this formation of habits mm-hmm. with regards to maybe how aristotle uh, distinguished maybe different parts okay yeah yeah so there's there are different intellectual habits, and actually, a lot of our educational language still sort of reflects this mm. uh, division, even if we don't do it the way that Aristotle proposed. Right, right. right. So one of the things that's always, I think, uh, interesting to remember is that the the modern university, as we know it, is really uh, a medieval uh, institution uh, developed by the, the church, um, and a lot of the ways in which it was organized kind of reflect an Aristotelian kind of logic, mm-hmm. uh, almost. So um, Aristotle uh, conceptualized the intellectual habits as um, uh, as being divided into the arts and sciences. So in a lot okay. of contemporary uh, colleges still, you'll find like a, or universities, you'll find a college of arts and sciences or a mm-hmm. school of arts and sciences. Um, and you might think, what what is that? <laughs> what are they talking about? Well, it really comes from Aristotle. It grows out of this approach. Uh, so the sciences are habits 
of what is called speculative reason. Okay, mm-hmm. and when you think about speculative reason, uh, um, that's not. Uh, sometimes people get confused. They think, well, like, is that like, uh, like a. a are you speculating on the price of a home or something like yeah, that? Yeah, right? Yeah. It's not that kind of. Is it just imagination? Right, right, right. right. No, it comes from. Uh, so yeah, good point. The, uh, the Latin term uh, uh, speculare, which simply means to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is what we would consider maybe theoretical reason. Sure. The kind of reason that's interested primarily in discovering the way things are. Mm. Right. So discovering and explaining reality. Okay. Uh, those would be the the sciences. Sure. And interestingly, uh, you know, Thomas uh, Aquinas, um, uh, really along with Aristotle, would include both theology and philosophy as belonging to science in that yeah. sense, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because it's a systematic form of thought. So what what is it that that really distinguishes science as a form of thinking, mm-hmm. uh, as a habit, right? Now we tend to, when we hear the word science, of course, we immediately think about biology. The, yeah, biology, yeah. which is the contemporary uh, uh, scientific method, right? right. And that kind of fits within the broad picture of uh, science, but uh, um, but there's a uh, science has a broader connotation than that in Aristotle. The German term, and sometimes still used in, in German u- universities of Wissenschaften, right, gets at this idea of a kind of almost a craft of thought. Oh okay? yeah. Oh, the Germans right. have a good way of saying it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So the uh, um, uh, this craft of thought. Yeah. Um, uh, includes having basic principles uh-huh. that define a science. So you might think about geometry. What are the basic principles of, of geometry? Those would be things like the point, the line, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Uh, and on the basis of these very simple principles, you construct a deductive system. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So once you begin to understand, you know, say, uh, what a circle is, what a line is, then you can construct a triangle. Then you can construct. Uh, other other figures, right? Sure. Uh, on the basis of those things, uh, and you can really reason to the conclusions, right? Using um, uh, kind of deductive arguments, mm-hmm. um, and so this this is a way of thinking about uh, thought and discovery that is very logical, very systematic, and rooted in the idea of foundational ideas. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, so that that's basically what Aristotle means by a science. There's a lot more detail than that, but. But but that's the the basic idea, and you can notice there's an emphasis here on, on abstract thinking, okay, as well as looking at experience, okay. But certainly, uh, abstract thinking has an important role in that, yeah, because yeah, it yeah. allows you to form definitions, yeah, and on the basis of those de- definitions, deduce definite conclusions, yeah. Right now, you notice that the words I'm using: deduce, demonstrate. Like right? you can think about certainty, truth foundational ideas right <laughs> this sound this, should, this 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 would make many uh many of those involved in contemporary education just sort of shudder yeah. right? <laughs> you know? uh, but this is the idea right behind a lot of this kind of education as a uh, as a as a teacher myself uh i run into all the time unfortunately this isn't oh, this isn't always the case thankfully but sure unfortunately very often i run into you know college students who can't think abstractly yeah they, they just they well, actually, that's an exaggeration, but but they if they find it very difficult to yeah, think well, abstractly, well, or we they, use abstract terms, or, yeah, yeah, you know, that's or right. simply to say, well, those things that the, those things that remain abstract uh, in thinking are those things that we cannot be certain of. That's right. That mm-hmm. you know the things that we can really you know when you talk about certainty and truth and like mm-hmm. all these things, well, that's that's simply limited to the material observable world. Sure, right. You know, right. whereas those things when we talk about abstract, like, oh, that's. <clears throat> 
that falls into a, a mere opinion or that's right. that, that's one right. school of thought no, among many. Sure. So, I mean, one of the things, I mean, you wouldn't want to only have abstraction. Yeah, okay? absolutely. But uh, you want to have a balance of abstraction and, and concreteness. Right? Yeah. Those are the real the antinomies there. And you want to be able to go back and forth between the two. And if you just are in the concrete, this is you're not going to ever rise to the universal. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And and you're not going to ever be able to attain universal truths. Yeah. Right. Which that's a big deal. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. Uh, you know. Uh, anyways, but, yeah. Well, yeah, and even in even in using the you know scientific method to come about a particular conclusion or something, like you have to use some sort of abstraction sure. because mm-hmm. what you are thinking, you know, doesn't may not exist sure you know right, so i mean right. there does has there does have to be yeah even though thesis. like even though there's an experiment involved sure, right? sure, sure there's still a general hypothesis yeah and that general hypothesis has an abstract or universal character to it at least at least in principle or, or conditionally speaking okay. yeah yeah but even you know even when you say you know that they include philosophy and theology mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. the sciences mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find that interesting <laughs> well right. especially today i mean you, uh-huh. know, you know most people would say you know sure put that you know maybe even in the realm of uh, not required courses right. you know, right. like, uh, merely subjective yeah, that's right, right. Yeah, yeah yeah merely subjective but but that they were held as high as you know dealing with reality that's right that's right yeah you know? telling us to realize about god that God has revealed about himself, uh, as well as the reality of higher causes that we can discover using our reason. Right? Yeah. And that those, uh, that we can approach those things in a rational and systematic way yeah. um, uh, is part of the, you know, sort of a classical approach to education. Now, how would this, how would the sciences then uh, uh, be distinguished from the arts? Okay, yeah. So the, the arts are ordered towards making, right? Okay. Which is, uh, so if you think about science is really about discovering and understanding reality. Okay. Um, especially its universal features and its causal features. Uh, it's also the case that, uh, uh, by distinction, I say, or by contrast, um, the arts are ordered towards making things, mm-hmm. producing things. Uh, now, when we say arts, we almost always immediately jump to fine arts. Right. But one of the things that's really fascinating, I think, about this whole approach is just the robust uh, kind of... Uh, respect and room that's made for practical knowledge within this mm. approach, right? Um, so there's a lot of different kinds of arts, right? Actually, um, there are what are called uh, the liberal arts, mm-hmm. okay? There are also the fine arts. And then there's another class of arts. I don't, this is not a, a nice term. People don't like this term. <laughs> it's the traditional term, which is the servile arts. Okay? <laughs> now, probably it would be better these days to say, you know, the useful, you know, or something like that. The trades. Yeah, the, the, the trade arts or something. Yeah, yeah uh, trade would be a good, the trades would be a, actually a good, good title. Um, but uh, let's just kind of work through those a little bit. Right? Yeah, sure. So um, all three, though, really interesting, are about making. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're about producing things, okay? The trades, right? The, the, the survival Survival arts, right? Those are ordered towards uh, making things uh, that are merely useful, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, now, I say merely useful, and that kind of maybe sounds as if I'm uh, disparaging it, but not at all. Useful things are useful. They're an important part yeah, of life, yeah, yeah. right? So what am I talking about? Uh, you know, people who uh, manufacture, uh, or not really, manufacture is not even a nice way, probably the best way to put it, but create or craft tables, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, tables can be, of course, objects of beauty as well, sure. but their primary function is uh, yeah. to hold things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you made a very beautiful, elegant table that fell over all the time, right? <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't, like, nobody cares. Right? Firewood. You know, we call right. that firewood. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, in that sense, you know, uh, and that, but there's a real kind of skill there. There is a kind yeah, of absolutely. knowledge there. Uh, 
that goes into um, uh, that kind of uh, craft. Yeah. Right? Um, and this is a, a Aristotle thinks this is a real form of knowledge. He would have actually thought that this was the basic form of knowledge uh, that we're supposed to acquire. Yeah, uh, interesting. And, and really, uh, the basic form of knowledge we're supposed to acquire, I think, also quite young, right? That is, these are the kinds of things he would anticipate fathers teaching their sons and, and mothers teaching uh, their daughters, mm-hmm. you know, the various trades that are associated with the, the different sexes at the time. But, you know, learning these kinds of practical skills, like how to weave, right? Yeah, yeah. How to do the, all the different things that you can do as a farmer, right? Yeah. Uh, all that kind of thing. So those would be sort of your baseline education. I would actually say that this is one area where we're woefully ignorant compared yeah. to our ancestors. Uh, our ability to, to do practical things uh, of that sort, right? skilled skilled sure. labor, I guess maybe we're yeah. putting it now, is really wretched. <laughs> oh, honest. yeah, yeah. You know? And, uh, and it's yeah. interesting, you know, I think even we, we can, uh, uh, not to get totally off topic here, but but I think you can we can see this, that there's an actual trend mm-hmm. in our current society where people are starting to say, I wish I knew those things. That's you right, know, like right, I, right. I had a friend, I had a friend that was an engineer, and he was like, "Man, I just wish I could grow a garden." <laughs> he lamented uh-huh. all of these, all of these servile arts uh, that yeah. he was lacking. He That's was right. like, "I wish I, you know, I wish I knew those. Like they're 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 important. They're well, useful." One thing that's said. really great about it too, just from an anthropological perspective here, is that it uses it's it, it does use a lot of the human being there, right? That yeah. is right. It use, you use your hands, right? You use your body. Sure. Uh, it puts you in contact with nature, right? With uh, things that are resistant to your will, oh, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, I used to be a mechanic, and yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. Things that they don't they don't curb to your will. Very yeah, easily, our, right? yeah, we always had the phrase, "Just get a bigger hammer." <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, so I mean, uh, there's a lot to be learned uh, from those kinds of arts. So in addition, though, uh, to servile arts, uh, there are the liberal arts. Right mm-hmm. now, the liberal arts are the arts that are really required for self governance. They're actually called liberal because they are the the arts of the free one, the okay, libertas, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, so the one who is free, and in the classical sense, freedom didn't mean, it did not mean, <laughs> uh, freedom from restraint. Yeah. It meant self-governance, right? So the free one is one who is capable of managing his own affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously what we ultimately want for our children. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as they are now, they're not capable of managing their own affairs. But in a way, we almost are, you know, working as parents are working towards obsolescence, right? That is like we want them to not need us anymore, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, it's it, that, that there's a certain kind of uh, sadness to that in a parent's life when that happens. Oh yeah, absolutely. But also, that's actually what we want, right? We we don't want them to be dependent on us for for that for that direction, right? Yeah, uh, for their whole lives. Um, so uh, these are these are called liberal arts because they are the arts of the free. That mm-hmm. is, the, and by free, I mean the self-governing. Uh, traditionally, these are divided into the trivium and the quadrivium. Mm-hmm. The quadrivium tends to have more to do, those are the four ways, that has quadrivium, right? Mm-hmm. has more to do with uh, quantification, mm-hmm. okay? So uh, it involves things like uh, arithmetic, geometry, astronomy, and music, right? Those are the four, right, mm-hmm. uh, kind of classical ways. And sometimes there is a, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this, Jason, but uh, um, there's a, a kind of a... Um, classical education homeschooling movement yeah, you know, yeah, out yeah. there. And sometimes they'll use this kind of curriculum. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy Sayers is famous for for uh, uh, talking about this, encouraging people to re- return to it. 
and and you know I don't think that's the this that's the only way to get an education, but certainly a, a good solid way to approach it, right? Yeah, right. So it's a thing a about, tested way too. That's right. Yeah, exactly. There's a thing about quantity use and, and and reasoning with quantities, right? We don't tend to associate music with quantities, but anybody who is musical, I happen not to be, but I know about it. Right. Uh, uh, that music is actually metrical. It's it has all sorts it's of very quantity. mathematical. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same with same with astronomy as well. That's right. You know? Absolutely. So uh, when you're thinking about the quadrivium, it seems like an odd grouping at first, but really it's about learning to think quantitatively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is, I think, really fascinating because it really actually follows Aristotle's understanding of the structure of reality. Yeah, right. That is that, that he thinks that, I'm not going to get too far into the weeds here, but yeah. uh, every substance, every natural substance is composed of matter and form, but the most basic form that adheres in matter is quantity. Right. Uh, this is why quantity in mathematics is so useful in describing reality, yeah. because so much of reality really is involves quantities. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, really, uh, moving up from say mechanical type work, um, the servo arts into the liberal arts, the next logical step is to move into the quadrivium, right? Yeah. Where you're thinking quantitatively, right? So you go from working with your hands with uh, with something to thinking about it. But now you're thinking about it quantitatively. And I think the other thing that's very important there is just the logics of math. Mm-hmm. You know, that not just the ability to think quantitatively, but that's also giving you the ability to think logically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which right, sure. We sure, may yeah. or may not be lacking <laughs> today. Right. I don't know. But you also see how this how anthropological this is, right? You're starting with the body, right? Yeah. Uh, and and interacting with physical objects with your body and your reason. And then you're kind of going a step higher that is more specific to the human being, analyzing things quantitatively. Yeah, absolutely. And then the next step is even more specific to the human, which is the trivium, that is the three ways. And this involves grammar and rhetoric and logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you might say grammar, that sounds a little strange, but really this is composition, right? right Writing right. in general, right? Language in general, mastery of language uh, in its uh, grammatical and stylistic forms. Um, not just counting, right? reality mm. but learning to describe reality right uh that's really what you're doing when you're thinking about composition right you're learning to, to master language words right yeah and uh you and know, i think the, it's the, a real interaction mm-hmm. it, it goes beyond just kind of quadrivium maybe looking at it quantitatively but i think when you get into the trivium you really start interacting like you said you know uh, mastery of language mm-hmm. so you're looking at this think about you know you you look at something and you're trying to describe it oh sure you know yeah. there's a there's a constant conversation mm-hmm. going on there and so it's mm-hmm. you know i think like you said even in kind of the development of the human mm-hmm. person you can see that there's a logical growth progression there yeah yeah progression so, there. Yeah, so the uh yeah i'm glad you see that, that because with language right you're able to 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 rise to the level now of the universal and mm-hmm. the abstract right so yeah you, i mean you just have to say Aristotle's brilliant. Like he understood how, like, here's a human being, and this is a way to to help develop a human being, right? Yeah. And it follows a sound anthropology. So at the next level, at that level of language, right? You're you you're able to once you have language, you can think abstractly, yeah. right? You can express yourself abstractly. You can attain universal truths about reality, and in addition to that, right? You can also uh, the whole world of culture and history opens yeah, up to you, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, literature, reading the Bible. Right, I mean, all those things, right, once you ha- have mastered language. So that's a reason why the trivium is usually considered a little bit higher, right, mm-hmm. because, it, again, it actualizes that which is more specific to us as a human being. Sure. The next uh, uh, sort of one up is uh, logic, 
And this, uh, I've taught logic many times, it's a fantastic discipline. But this is where, and it's, it's a kind of study that's really hard at first, but once you master it, it's, uh, it really gives you some excellent tools to use. Uh, and this involves you know, learning how to reason well, how to reason effectively. Yeah. We have, by nature, rational powers. By nature, we formulate arguments. Uh, human beings are always argumentative. And that's not a bad thing in itself. Uh, uh, we we perform inferences and deductions um, as well as inductive inferences. But the um, but we can do it poorly like yeah, anything exactly. else, right? And so even though we have this power by nature, um, uh, logic, the study of logic, um, helps us to do that well. And as you pointed out. It might be the case that we need a little help in this area. <laughs> what do you yeah, think? yeah, yeah. No, I remember. Uh, I remember a few years ago reading an article. I think it was in like the National Catholic Register, uh, and it was talking about. And this was before all the elections and everything, and they were already lamenting uh, how difficult it was to even have a conversation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, with people that were in college and mm -hmm. people that had just come from college mm -hmm. because they did not have the ability to think logically, to, right. to actually examine a position, to, right. to, look mm -hmm. at its, to look at its parts, mm -hmm. see if they flow from one another, see if the conclusion uh, uh, follows from the premise and all mm -hmm. these things. Like They simply just lamented students coming from university mm -hmm. did not have this ability. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now... That makes everything else as an adult very difficult. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to talk to somebody mm -hmm. and you're trying to get in, and I think that's why, you know, especially today we suffer from, you mm -hmm. know, just horrible identity politics right. and tribalism and just all these things is whether it's our emotions, A, our emotions and our passions sure. have ceased to be governed by our reason, mm -hmm. but also that, that we do not have the ability then uh, think logically and to examine what it is that you're actually saying. Okay, let's right, break yeah, it down right, as opposed right. to taking it personally right, yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a major uh, difficulty and and really a difficulty, you know, especially within a, a cultural political realm, right? Where we can't we, we really can't reason together. I mean, ideally, right? And this is admittedly a little artificial, but this should still be our ideal. If you and I have opposed views, sure. right? I mean. One of the things, you know, the scholastics sometimes get a bad name for, for, for being logic choppers, but one of the things that's, that's really admirable about them, right, is their their attention to argument, right, and that yeah. they really want to know what the other person's position is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they want to understand the reasoning process that leads to that position. That's why scholastic writing is so dense, right? Yeah. It's because they're trying to reason with a great deal of clarity and precision, Actually, there's a lot of, I think, charity and generosity. To and that. humility. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, when I teach uh, logic, one of the things that I teach is the what's called the, uh, the principle of charity, right? Mm -hmm. and that is that you, as logicians, your job is to make your interlocutor's position as clear and logical as possible. Yeah. Right? Which is completely contrary to our political <laughs> practice, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, where we want to just demonize the other person. But the uh, but yeah, you want to work through things. So like ideally, if you and I are having a dispute, right? Let's say it's over uh, uh, immigration policy or something like that. What we should be able to do uh, as logical people is to say, okay, well, you have a thesis. I have an antithesis, mm -hmm. right? We, we are in opposition. You state your premises. I state my premises. We don't have to necessarily agree, but we, we can lay out a, f a way of disagreeing with each other that actually makes sense and maybe isn't even productive. Yeah, right? exa well, well, exactly. Well, and, and that's the thing. Sometimes, you know, it, it just gets boiled down to, 
conclusions and you know I know your conclusion mm-hmm. and so you must because I disagree with it you must be evil sure that's you know right. it's like, whereas, whereas like I think what you're saying you know when there's a there's a real humility sure. uh, uh, to the educated person to the logical person in this way who's saying okay take me through your reasoning so that I may think at this think with this position from your perspective, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, true, like true. There, there's, there's a real humility to that, um, yeah. uh, as opposed to just saying, well, you know, what's your conclusion? Immigration, bad or good? You know, like, <laughs> no, let's, let's, sure. let's look through this, you know? Yeah. So, uh, the last, um, the last rung uh, here, right, is, sure. is rhetoric. Now, logicians and rhetoricians going all the way back to the fifth century BC have been <laughs> in each other's throats, right? Um, and Plato uh, gives us uh, uh, a very negative view uh, of rhetoric, uh, which uh, understandably so, because rhetoric can be so abused. Yeah. Uh, Aristotle had a, a more uh, benign view of it, but Aristotle also thought very clearly that rhetoric can only be used well by the virtuous man, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because rhetoric is is so powerful, yeah. Right? So rhetoric brings together, right, uh, a number of human abilities to produce convincing arguments. Yeah, to, to be persuasive. To be persuasive, yeah. and really, rhetoric is is um, conscious. This kind of goes into some some political differences between Plato and Aristotle, but rhetoric is actually the primary is one of the primary arts, I should say, of uh, the political leader. Right, the politician. You know, you know, this again gets a bad rap, and understandably so, because many, <laughs> so many politicians are so wretched. But, um, but uh, rhetoric, um, a, a good politician, say a virtuous one, mm-hmm. right, is to use rhetoric to bring about the good. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, to persuade to good action. And and one of the things that's interesting here is is Aristotle recognized that that rhetoric, that logical argument on its own doesn't quite produce action. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What that doesn't mean that it has, doesn't have a role to play. It does have a role to play. Yeah. Uh, but the politician, the leader, just say in general, right? Uh, leadership is about creating action, producing action. You need more than um, logical argument. You need right. logical argument, but you need, in addition to that, an appeal to uh, rightly ordered passions. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, and to uh, credibility, right? So the three appeals in classical logic are... Uh, pathos, ethos, uh, and logos, right? So that you appeal to the passions, right? You appeal to credibility, that is authority, ethos. Yeah. Uh, and then also you appeal to logos, logical reasoning. And I think that goes back to, uh, especially when you talk about uh, the leadership here, that the that the, rhetor- the leader as a, a rhetorician, that they have the ability to make the appeal for the good. That's right. You know, yeah. and, and again, this goes back to kind of just the, the, the classical end of mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. that it's there to form within the persons uh these virtues these habits mm-hmm. uh, uh, a good leader then sure. would be the one to make a good argument <laughs> of why you should have these good things why as, as a society sure. we should structure our society mm-hmm. uh, uh based on based on these things yeah uh you know and again going you know back to order and and uh things like that now how does prudence Mm-hmm. Maybe play play in here. Okay, uh, prudence. With, I, I do. I have sorry, to yeah, yeah, hold yeah, off for a second because I just reali- uh, realized uh, we hadn't re- addressed the fine arts yet. Oh, the fine okay. arts. Yeah, we so, did that one. Uh, uh, um, uh, so it's ever expanding topic here. Education, <laughs> actually, when you start to think about it, but uh, um, the fine arts uh, appeal uh, to both. This is, I think, really fascinating to both passion and reason. 
Uh, and this is because the fine arts are ordered towards making beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Thomas is very adamant on this point that the fine arts are not about communicating information, but really about creating beautiful things, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is just a really interesting kind of point, right? Now, it might be a beautiful um, dance, right? It might be, like, say, you think about uh, formal, formal kinds of dance, or a beautiful painting, or a beautiful uh, statuary, right, or something like, or maybe a beautiful song, like a music piece, right. But it's primarily about creating something um, beautiful. And one of the things that I would uh, uh, that's interesting here is this is the way that we bring together our passions with our intellect, yeah. right? Is in is in uh, is with beauty, right? Uh, and so that the the fine arts play an important role in education because they help to unite the passions right with uh the good known by reason yeah right? yeah, yeah that's interesting. Uh, and that has to do with like what beauty is okay and we don't want to go into that too far because it's a whole other topic <laughs> but it involves delight uh, an emotional delight really you know in a form that is uh good right and so when you see that good form and you have a love for it, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's where you bring together both reason and uh, passion. So the, the fine arts have an important role to play in this as well. I think especially for young children. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, not, not exclusively, but especially, right? You want them to be surrounded by beautiful stories, uh, beautiful objects that will sort of help their passions, right? Uh, lead them to, to to enjoy good things, even yeah. at an emotional level. And desire them as right, well, you right. know. Yeah. And I think, even, you know, I like that way of thinking about the fine arts as bringing together the, the intellect and the passions. Because mm. I think beauty is one of those things today that still speaks to modern man, if, I, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way. Because I think, you know, truth is relativized. Yeah, you sure. know, uh, goodness is, you know, simply reduced to humanitarian mm-hmm. aid mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that with complete disregard with God. But beauty, right. you know, exactly. it brings together the, the, like you said, the passions, the intellect. There's something uh, mysterious and transcendent about it uh, that I think people still recognize. Mm-hmm. Some There's something mm-hmm. there's something more here, you That's know. Right. That's right. Uh, because I think, like you said, it does speak to their, both their passions uh, and their intellect That's as right. well. Yeah, so it's, it has a sort of anthropological kind of richness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for, for also, uh, plays a huge part in the building up of culture. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, continuation yeah. of, of a particular culture as well. A lot of times I think when you examine a, a culture, mm-hmm. this is one of the first places you sure. go mm-hmm. are those fine arts. That's right. That's right. Uh, and things like that. So getting back yep. to prudence, you ask about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, prudence is is very important. Uh, obviously, it is one. It is an intellectual virtue. Uh-huh. So usually, we group it with the three moral virtues, which are temperance and fortitude and justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and then we add on prudence, and you get the four cardinal virtues. Right. But technically, uh, prudence is a um, is an intellectual virtue, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a it's an intellectual virtue. So art is about producing. Science is about discovering, mm-hmm. so to speak, and then prudence is about choosing. Choosing, all right. Yeah. It's about intending and choosing. It's about applying. It's having the habit of right reason, applying it to action. What should I do? Yeah. What I, What should I not do? And this is really kind of uh, when you think about wisdom, as it's talked about, say in Proverbs or in the Bible in general. Usually, this is the kind of uh, wisdom that's being indicated. Sure, a practical kind of wisdom. Uh, that it, that 
directs us in terms of how we should behave, right? Classically, this is usually, uh, prudence is called the queen of the virtues. Yep. Um, a fool is someone who can't think well and judge well about what should or should not be done, right? We don't like to use that word, yeah, right? Yeah. But the opposite of, of, a, of the prudent man is the foolish man. Yeah. Uh, you can, it, really interesting, you can be smart and foolish. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just having intelligence doesn't mean you won't be a fool. Uh, you might not be good at directing your life. Um, now, one thing is, uh, that's uh, important, though, to recognize about prudence, right? So, if you think about prudence, is about choosing, right? Um, uh, art's about making. Um, science is about discovering and looking. We can teach a lot of the other intellectual virtues. Yeah. Problem with prudence is we can't actually teach prudence, <laughs> right? And this is this is just a this is <laughs> this is so uh, problematic, right? We can teach about prudence, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but we can't make you be prudent, yeah. Right? I can teach you actually how to do math pretty well. I can teach you how to reason philosophically pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it might take a lot of work, right? But I can do it. But I can't teach you to be prudent. <laughs> Uh, and uh, this is really the, a lot of the crux and drama of the moral life, right, yeah. is our lack of prudence. One of the things that's really uh, sort of almost tragic, and we don't want to get into this too far, is but that very often when we most need prudence, we don't have it, right? Yeah, that is in yeah, our yeah. youth, right? Yeah. We lack prudence. The way you, how do you learn prudence? Through experience. Right. <laughs> right. Through the and even where we try to help with prudence, uh -huh. you could say things like the law. Sure. You know, the law is there to help That's, you. Right. That's right. Here's the bad things to avoid. That's right. You know? That's right. And even, and even I know the, the Greeks, uh, a particular position, especially for uh, a wealthy family, they would hire the person called the pedagogue. Uh -huh. That's right. Uh -huh. That would uh -huh. follow their child. When the, when the father was away, the pedagogue uh -huh. would follow uh -huh. the child and direct their, uh, help direct their sure, action. Sure, right. You know, it's like there was there was a dude that actually did that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, yes, so I mean, yes. what we're saying here about education, I think it's pretty self-evident of, you know, I think a rediscovery or at least a re-examining of this this classical approach and its usefulness today Absolutely. today, and how, how, how it can help. Because, you know, sometimes, especially as parents, mm -hmm. you know, when you think about what do you want from your child, no matter what you say, the majority of the time it's going to have to do with Good habits or virtues. That's right. Mm -hmm. You're not going to say, well, you're not going to yeah, be. That's a... true in the intellectual life as well as the moral life. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Not just yeah, not just uh, uh, moral virtues, but also yeah, those mm -hmm. those intellectual virtues. You want them uh, to have those, and that's primarily the focus of you know classical education, which uh, it, it respects the, the 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 liberty and the freedom of the person. Uh, um, to direct themselves with within sure. the proper understanding of their nature. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is actually what makes a person capable of self-governance. Yeah. Right. Uh, we uh, there's a kind of naivete that I think uh, modern people have about our capacity for self-governance. Yeah. Um, we actually need to become and grow into people who can govern themselves. Very often, uh, we don't. We fail to. I right? think that I think the term for that is maturity. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But again, you know, you think about mature, that, that the original analogy of that term is really uh, has to do with uh, agricultural terms, right? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. But, you know, I, I want to say, uh, the cultivate the human person, but I want to say that this kind of education is useful, I think, for politics, but I mean that in the civic responsibility sense. Sure, it's not sure, just sure. in the kind of, party politics kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, as, a, as a citizen, it's, it's very important and useful. It's also useful, of course, in your Christian walk, mm -hmm. right? The devil loves fools uh, because they're easier to tempt. They're yeah. easier to manipulate. 
uh, and fools crowd together, right? And and they lead each other astray. Uh, this is something I think we've neglected, right? Which is recognizing the importance of having virtuous friendships. Um, we we kind of look down on the the old sayings and old insights into the idea that you know uh, bad company corrupts good morals, but it's true. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and it needs to be paid attention to. So not only, though, uh, is it important for our, our, our Christian walk, is it important for uh, um, civic responsibility, uh, civic virtue, but also, and this is, a, I think, a key point that we miss in our contemporary view, it's good in itself, mm. right? That is, I don't need to offer you a further justification, actually, yeah. for why you should be wise, why you should understand the world. That sort of thing, right? It's good in itself. I remember uh, for years, I mean, I've, I've learned how that I have to sort of come up with useful explanations, okay? But for years, it's it's uh, um, it it's been extremely annoying, right, <laughs> and dissatisfying, right, to hear people say, "Well, well, what's the use of what you're teaching?" Well, I want to say, I mean, to be perfectly honest, so you'll be a better human being, right? Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So you'll flourish just as a human. Well, Which I think is something that we really miss about education today. The education yeah. is actually, it's good in itself because it makes you fuller as a human being. Yeah. And you almost want to say it's useless. <laughs> That's right. Right. It's, uh-huh. You know, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like the, uh-huh. there, there's no real use to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's good. That's right. That's and, right. And, you know, and, and, because it, and, and because it is good, mm-hmm. it's, it, will be, it will be helpful to human flourishing. That's right. You know, That's so... Right. Uh-huh. You know, you almost want to say to them, it's just, you know, it does not have a use, especially in the way that a lot of times people frame that question, sure, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they're looking for pragmatics and things like that. Well, you see how different this is, right? That I think, well, I don't think we're going to get into this too much, but this is one sure. point of comparison that's worth just considering is, is just that uh, how different this is in terms of our understanding of education today, yeah. right? Which is only uh, thought about in terms of being useful. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And primarily useful as a worker as a producer, in terms of your job. And that is not the classical ideal of education. That, that's a, I would put, I would put it that, that's a, a not a fully human way to think about education. Right. I understand it, and I think there is a place for thinking about education in that sure. way. Sure. Uh, for sure. But, to be perfectly honest, this, this other part of education is, is in itself better. Yeah. Right? And maybe not everyone can access it to the same degree, depending on their circumstances and their... Uh, their, their temperament and, and, and abilities and so forth. But to the degree to which it's possible, we should access that for a variety of reasons, but especially because it's good in itself. Mm. All good points. Very good to consider all those things, especially, you know, in, in looking at our contemporary education systems, our contemporary education goals, and how our schools operate and what they're uh, directing our children towards. Uh, and so I hope this I hope you found uh, this podcast interesting. There's so many more uh, things we could say about it. And uh, in the meantime, check us out at CatholicStudiesAcademy.com. You can find more of our content there. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook. You can check out our other uh, podcast and our blog posts. And until next time, God bless.